Hey everyone, we're back with the District 3 Podcast, episode 200. We're recording episode 200 right now. Um, it's actually Pride Weekend. It's about to be the Pride festivities actually start today. The the Trans March, the Trans Rally, and I believe it's called the Trans Fest at the, uh, at the Fayetteville Town Center, I believe, today. Um, this is Irvin, and joining me... Is Elena. <laughs> Elena's here today for this episode. How have you been, Elena? I've been pretty good. Have you been keeping busy, been going out to the events and stuff? Yeah, I have. I actually got to see the House of Uns perform the other day. Oh, that's cool. It was amazing. Past you guys guests. have to go. Were all three of them there? All three of them were there, and DJ Afrosia, who was amazing, too. It was it was a lot of fun. I'm not a dancer, and mm. I was dancing. Hey, so. hey. <laughs> yes. And one, one of the things that I, I wanted to mention, I got here... I got here like right at 2 p.m. today to record this, and uh, usually I get here like 30, 20 minutes earlier, but life happened, you know, mm-hmm. car messed up, uh, the the wheel bearings, which I don't even know what those were, I've never had to deal <laughs> with any of that, the wheel bearings messed up, and I have to like pay $700 to fix two of them. $700 yeah. to fix two? Which I'm glad that I just drove 5,000 miles this past week when I went to Washington State, and nothing happened. I'm glad that the wheel didn't pop off. Yes. So... The guy Did you hear a little squeaking while you guys were It makes this weird sound. Yeah. And I took it to the mechanic and the mechanic was like, Don't drive it longer <laughs> than an hour. Like stay close. Don't don't be driving it. So I literally had to go drop it off right now, go back home, took a shower because I just got a haircut. Mm-hmm. And then uh it bring my wife's car instead of, of my car. So I got here like right at, at two PM. Luckily Joyce was just getting here too. So, <laughs> it, so it worked yeah. out for all of for all yeah. of us. Yeah. But talking about Joyce, I'm excited that she's here. Uh I was thinking about who to get for episode two hundred. I really wanted to get someone that, you know, that I felt in my life was special. Someone that that has done a, a good good amount of things in the community in, in in Arkansas just in general and continues to do good work. So joining us today is former state senator and the executive director of Get Loud. We have Joyce Elliott. Joyce, thank you for joining us today. Oh, I'm I'm happy to be, that we could work it out. It's great to see you again. It's been way too long. And I can make that bio <laughs> bigger because you know, like oh, I always talk about, <laughs> you're you're one of my political inspirations. Yeah. I really appreciate you. When I started getting involved in politics back in 2010, mm-hmm. I always looked for like, okay, who's doing good things to help out my community, right? Yes. yes. And at that moment, you were trying to get the Dream Act passed. Yes. In Arkansas. Yeah. So for me and for a lot of brown kids here in Arkansas. It meant a lot to see someone that wasn't even part of the brown community mm-hmm. trying to do good mm-hmm. for us, you yes. know. So a yeah. lot of us look to you uh, for guidance and, and also just we know that whatever you're doing is a good thing and we trust your judgment on whatever you're doing. Right. So uh, we appreciate your leadership. Well, Thanks I appreciate that too because I meet so many brown people, so to speak, that I don't know who they are, but they know who I am. Mm-hmm. And we get into conversations about what I've been doing or what I tried to do. And that is really a good feeling. It's the kind of feeling you ought to have as a public servant that you know you did something that was important enough and people paid attention because it mattered to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just one of the best things that can happen, I think, for me, uh, having been a public servant, a servant, knowing that people paid attention and that it really mattered what you were trying to do or uh, got done. And you've always been very easy to have a conversation with and very approachable and the kind of person that's always like, reach out if you need something. If you, that's right. If you yeah. need any kind of advice or anything, you're like, I'm here. And I remember we reached out to you for that immigration conversations for Arkansas candidates event and you were a keynote speaker. You came down from yes. Little Rock. And uh, is it down or is it up? Up. You came up from mm-hmm. Little Rock mm-hmm. and you came and, 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 and spoke and had an inspirational, such an inspirational speech that really motivated a lot of people. And mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just glad you're there. I'm glad you show up, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you're, the, you're the kind of person that, that shows up and we need more people like that, not people that just talk on social media, but then when it's like boots on the ground, you know, like yeah. getting stuff done, getting yeah. shit done, yeah, it's that's like right. you're there. Social media is too easy, isn't it? I mean, yeah. really, if, if, if we were doing as much as we talk about on social media, so many things would be very, very different. Mm-hmm. But from the time I was a kid and I grew up understanding what it meant to be otherized. Mm-hmm. And when um, I got to a point, I could have some power and I go, yeah, I want to have power. I'm not apologetic about it, mm-hmm. but I want to use it for the right things. And so uh, that's one of the things that I was always proudest of. I, as a as an elected official, you do have power, but I have not forgotten what I wanted to do with it before I had power. So that mm-hmm. was re- always really good. Where do you think that comes from? Like, 
Uh, were your parents like that? Did your parents always encourage you to speak out? or They did not, actually. Oh, really? But what I did see a lot of growing up was my parents and other adults around me, uh, even what I would call old people, you know, people who were my age that I thought were just ancient, you know, at the time. <laughs> um, but what I did observe as a kid was how they were so tentative about life and mm. the privileges and the rights they were not able to enjoy. I observed all of that and how they were just kind of bent over and not talking out loudly until uh, I, John F. Kennedy was running for office and then they thought things were going to change because of that. That was somebody they believed in. And I just remember seeing them begin to speak louder, stand up straight, because somebody meant something to them. Mm. And I thought, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. But I do know that's when I first became interested in politics. I mm. just didn't know it was politics. Mm. And I've never forgotten the fact that whatever it was uh, John F. Kennedy was peddling at that time, um, it was something that was positive for them. And I thought, I want to do that, whatever mm. it's called. Um, there's there's a lot of of um, I guess when it comes to like the word politician and yes, politics, yeah. Sometimes it's kind of seen like a, a, a phrase or a title that has like that's like people can sling mud at it because that, people right. think it's dirty and yeah. and all that. But I think I, and I believe you've talked about how you have a different perspective of it. You don't see it as you see it as as good, you know. And you and I think you've you've emphasized. I forgot what you said, but I wanted to ask you right now just. What do you think about, you know, the perception of mm -hmm. the that the overall community mm -hmm. has about politicians yeah. and where have you been able to find good yeah. in being a politician yourself? First of all, Irvin, I, I am amazed that you remember that conversation. I, <laughs> I am so me. impressed. Oh, and gosh, that is really good. Um, yeah, I always use the, the word politics or politician. And that's why when I tell that story, when I, I didn't know what politics was, I didn't know what a politician was, but I wanted to be that. So from that time when I was so young, the that I wanted to be was a politician and was not a bad thing. And when you enter politics, when you get elected, you're going to be a politician. It's just up to you whether you're going to be a good one or a bad one. Mm -hmm. So I insist on calling myself a politician. And I insist on holding myself accountable for doing a good job and, and, and doing what I should do to show that there, there are good politicians, you know, in this world. And I'm not saying I'm the only, I, I'm the only person, you know, that demonstrates that. But I do try very hard to hold up my end of the bargain that I've charged myself with. If I were to say to you, Urban you should think about being a politician. I want you to know I mean that in the sense of service, mm. the way I have held myself to try to serve. So I, anybody who says to me, when people are running for office even, I hate it when they say, well, I'm not a politician. Yeah. And I go, well, then, okay, then maybe you shouldn't be doing this. But you're not running for you're office not or running what? For, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, and it's like, okay, I don't want somebody to show up if my house is burning and say, well, I'm not really, a, you know, a firefighter. <laughs> That's the way it feels because we have allowed it to become uh, something that is so easily made fun of. And there is a responsibility on the part of not just the politicians, but other folks to make politics good because mm -hmm. it is the way we run our country politics is the way we run our country so it is important for po folks not to say something that is so easy to say mm -hmm. oh they're just a bunch of scumbags they all no. lie and they cheat and i will hear people say that and then come up to somebody like one of you and go well you ought to run for politics and you just said yeah. you've just said it's an awful thing mm -hmm. um, so i think it's really important for folks not to continue to do that use that kind of language because it's easy yeah because the fact is it just says it's a stereotype just like just as people stereotype young people and say things they're lazy they don't want to do anything or pick you know black or brown anything you want to mm -hmm. since this is pride week pick the lgbtq uh folks and they're all kind of stereotypes yeah. and so it's up to us not to stereotype politicians i think and that way, I think they will get the message that you require and expect more of them. 
don't give them credit for being lying thieves and whatnot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the reason why that stuck with me, what you said, was uh-huh. because obviously I ran for office, right, in 2015, mm-hmm. 2016. And in the Latino community, politicians are seen as, like, the worst. Yes. Because yes. And because they look back to, like, Mexico or they look back to El Salvador, all these different countries. There is some history. <laughs> and, there's, yeah. and there's a good yeah. amount, just like yeah. there is in the U.S., right? Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's bad people everywhere. Yes. And so it was, it was me constantly trying to convince people to vote for me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that they didn't like me as a candidate. They just didn't want to get involved with politics, politics. because they thought it was dirty. That's right. That's it. I've had that same thing yeah. uh, where people say, uh, you know, I was in, in office for 20 years, but I was still, even now, trying to get people registered to vote. They will say, uh, I don't do politics. And I go, well, with with due respect, let's talk about this. Politics because, do, does you. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Either you will do politics or politics will do you. you yeah. know, it's, and so... If something has been become so awful, people don't even want to participate. We have a long way to go to rebuild it, and I'm always on the side of rebuilding it because the folks who continually stay involved in politics are the ones who are getting what they want. That's mm-hmm. the other thing to remember. Yeah. The minute you step out of that space, somebody is willing to step into that space and use your voice to get what they want. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think um, working in the news industry and seeing the change recently locally um, in the school system, we had we were just talking about it, but like the book bannings or relocating books and yeah. such, that's really been motivating parents to actually get involved with politics yes. in a yeah. field didn't, that they didn't see before. Um, now, you worked in the education system. So what are some of the changes that you've seen and then some of the passions that you are glad that are still there? Um, with teachers and stuff? Well, I know that teachers uh, are having a much harder time teaching than when I did, but the teachers that I know, and I usually refer to teachers as nation builders because without teachers, we would not have nations. And I picked that up from some of the, from Finland, actually, because they respect education so much. They see their teachers as nation builders, and I think that's a really good way to think about the importance. But I see teachers that still have that nation-building attitude, where they, where they look at every child and see the possibilities and how important it is to see the possibilities no matter what the child looks like, what the child cares about. And I, I know so many teachers who still have that iron string that says, this is the best way for me to make a contribution to humanity, but it's made so hard. And some of those same teachers that I know I like that are leaving, and it's heartbreaking because in the end, uh, it hurts teachers to leave, I think, because I know some of them want to do this, but it hurts our kids. It hurts our family. It hurts our, you know, our, our neighborhoods and our communities. And in the end, it does hurt our nation mm-hmm. uh, because we're losing those who are really committed to something that I think that is so important. Um, I, the, the, the big challenge to me, and I, and I think the teachers that should have a star, I taught high school students. I absolutely loved it, mainly 11th and 12th graders and some 10th graders. But the people to me who ought to have a star are middle school teachers. <laughs> and, oh. and that's yeah. the, I, I always say nobody should have to experience middle school. But since we do, <laughs> since we do, it is great when we have teachers who really love teaching that middle where everything is trying to be sorted out. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the places that's getting the hardest for us to, to find teachers. Um, and the same thing that I, other thing I really like, the teachers who are the preschool and elementary school teachers, that was not my talent. Um, but I knew you know, getting a good start you know, is, is, is a great thing. So you can look at, if you think about the three tiers of our educational system, at four if you count pre-K, but what's done in each of those tiers, if it's, if it's elementary, that is so important, not something I wanted to do, not something everybody should do. And by the time they get to middle school, definitely not. But each one of these, these developmental areas for our kids is so important. And we act as if just anybody can do it. And that's just not true. Uh, as long as we get a body in the classroom, we need people who are committed, not somebody who's just breathing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I thought what I was doing at the senior high level was, was very, very important as well, because it is. You're about to be uh, of adult status and get out into the world. And I love dealing in um, reality and challenges and, 
and finding out what students' hopes and dreams are and trying to teach in a way that they realize their dreams, their hopes are just as important as everybody else's, but they especially must be to that teacher that's going to, rather than just math, it's not just math. The math is about not teaching math. It's about teaching kids. Mm. Uh, it's not just a subject. You, I'm not, I wasn't just teaching English and speech communications. I was teaching students. I can hardly go anywhere. And you might know after 30 years and not run into somebody. Yeah. You know, who I've, I've, you know, that I've taught. I was 22 when I got started. I was teaching students who were 18 years old. You can imagine that was a, a good, but, but. Have you maxed out on that Facebook friend list already? Uh, oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, and some, I look at it and I think, my God, this has been a long trajectory. Some of those students that I taught when I started out have grandkids. Mm-hmm. Oh, I only have one. <laughs> so it's, it's. I tell people it's, it's the greatest thing I could have chosen to do with my life. Um, politics, second, but teaching was the thing. I, I knew that was the thing that made the most contribution to humanity. So I got to do exactly mm. what I want to do with my mm. life. I am one lucky duck. And, and a lot of people <laughs> don't know that about you, that you spent that long yeah. like, teaching. Like, that's right. People just know the, the politician, the po- the right? The politician, that's exactly and right. Commu- and community organizer, uh-huh. too, the, yeah. you know, the work that you do there, too. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's important that people, you know, are aware that you, sp- you spent 30 years? 30 years. Doing that. Yeah. High school, 30 years. Uh, high school. And a part of that, too, was I was part of integrating a school when I was 15 years old, and it was not a great experience. And a part of the reason it was not a great experience was uh, the teachers, mm. because I was not welcomed at that school mm. uh, by some of the teachers. There were there were a couple, uh, and one of them left after the first year because I think she couldn't take it anymore. But uh, I became the teacher I was Uh, because I thought I could be the teacher every student deserved to have. And I had learned so much about how not to treat students. Mm -hmm. I had not experienced that when I was at the all-black school. But when I went to an integrated school, that's when I experienced. For the first time, I had teachers who didn't expect much of me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I know not to do this. I know not to treat a student this way. Uh, so that was instructive for me. It was hard. And what it was, year was that when you had to, like, go ni- into the first? 1966. Mm. And that was early for a lot of the integration in our yeah. state mm. uh, because most of it didn't start in earnest until the 70s. Yeah. You weren't you weren't in, in Little Rock, but you were in the surrounding area, right? Because you were born in Arkansas. I was born in Arkansas. I grew up. I tell people all the time, I live in Little Rock, and some people think I'm very urban, but I am uh, – I am very country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew up in Nevada County. So if you get to Prescott uh, or Hope down that far, you are in the county where I grew up. Nevada County is mm. where Prescott is. but And that's the largest little town. But I did not even live there. I lived on down the highway about 30 miles. Mm. There were nine people in my graduating class. Wow. Mm. Were uh, you, were you like somewhat aware when the whole Little Rock Nine situation was happening? I was aware for a really peculiar reason because it was the year I started school. Mm-hmm. And I was always curious about what was going on. You know, like this as being journalist type people. But I was always um, listening to what the adults were talking about. My mom said I was nosy. It turns out <laughs> I see what she meant because I was. <laughs> But I was always listening to their conversations. That's why when I mention the old people hunched over and, and they will whisper when they talk, I remember them talking about, this is my first year to go to school. I remember they're talking about Central High School. Mm-hmm. And it, the thing that got me when they started talking about soldiers, because I knew what a soldier was. And you try to make sense of it. Like, it, it's really hard for kids to make sense of racism mm-hmm. or discrimination. Yeah. And I was trying to make sense of why there were guns at that school. And I just determined, well, it must be okay. But the central question for me became, um, where where are our soldiers, I would ask my mom. (laughs) Because it seemed like, okay, so this is supposed to be uh, a part of school, and we don't have ours. That was the way I looked at it, you know, as a six-year-old at that time. So that's what I knew about it. And, of course, as I grew older and I heard more and more about it because I was so curious and that memory has stuck with me forever how how I 
as a first grader, thought we were supposed to have soldiers. That made me just yeah. look at it and research and think about it all my life, mm -hmm. really. So what were some of the, I guess, in that experience that you had when you went from a segregated school, mm -hmm. you know, to a school with everybody, what were some of the takeaways that you, that maybe some of the, of the first things that you saw that you were, like, taken back by? Uh, well, here's the first one. Um, something, for some reason, I, I've got some kind of runny nose, and so just excuse me. But we were in a tiny little place. This is Willisville. So we're in a tiny little place, and the, the black students went to an all-black school and in a little place called Roston, about eight miles away. Mm. So we didn't have enough students to ever have a football team. So basketball was king. Yeah. The, but the biggest basketball was generally the girls' basketball team. When I was in the ninth grade, I was already able to play up with this with the seniors, uh, with the senior high team. Um, everybody in my family, you know, was athletic and whatnot, and I was I was my sister and I right behind me. We were we were just lucky to be pretty gifted athletes, actually. But basketball, the weird thing that happened when I got to Willisville High School, I was not allowed to play basketball. Hmm. I'm a kid 15 years old, and that's been my whole world, and now I can't play. And Because um, there were so many people, or was it a racist thing? It was a racist thing oh. because it's a tiny little, sco little school. Hmm. And I, I thought, I'm good. People knew who we were, you know, in, around the area. And so the coach said to me, I remember, remember all the white girls asking me, are you going to play on the team? We need you to play on the team because there weren't a lot. And uh, so the coach came out and he was announcing the team and all that and he didn't call my name and uh so afterward I stayed around and said well why am I not going to be on the basketball team mm. and he said well no you're not and he was going to walk away and I, and I said why why am I not and he said well we don't have a uniform that will fit you and I've never been I've never been disrespectful to older people you know at the time as a kid and um, and I just, I was so angry and so hurt. And I said, well, um, you know, even I could have thought of something better than that to say. Mm. A better excuse. And he turned around and he said, you need to leave the gym just like that. And that was the last conversation about getting a chance to play. And that just had to do with the race. Oh. There's no way you, ca you can't find, you know, a uniform to play. Uh, put on a T-shirt and put a number on it yeah. uh, if you have to. And... Uh, the, the other thing that, that happened that was mind-boggling to me, I, I was a very good student, but I was, I was working hard to be a very good student because I knew that was the only way for me to get a scholarship to go to college. That's why I've mm -hmm. been working all that, those years. But when I got to Willisville High School, I, I was called in by the superintendent and the, and the principal into this small little office about the size of this table. Um, and they had my transcript, which made me feel really good because I thought, oh, this is going to be good. They haven't <laughs> seen my grades. I'm a good student. I was so proud they had, they had picked up my transcript. But when they had chosen it and, and asked me to come to the office because they called me to, and to challenge my grades. Where did you get these grades? Through mm. my transcript on the table, and it was really frightening. Mm -hmm. It's me and two big men in a little office. And... Uh, so I, I didn't know how to react to that because yeah. I, surely they're joking, but it seemed like maybe they weren't. And we knew as black kids growing up in the South, and we, we knew it was always on us to try to, when things get too heated, to try to figure out to tone it down because we yeah. were not in a position of power. And so I just said the first thing that came to my mind, and I thought, this is going to be all right. Where did I get those grades, I said? Uh, Oh, they just rained down from heaven. And that was the wrong answer. That <laughs> was the wrong answer. They became really angry then, faces red and all that. And so I don't remember which one it was that said it, but well, you might have gotten these grades, you know, at your nigger school, but you won't get them here. And I, I did not. That's a fact. I did mm. not. So those are some peculiar things. That there were There were a couple of students who really – you know, tried to be friendly and whatnot, but because um, there was some threat that we might have a black girl as the valedictorian of of this school, um, the young the the boy who was the assumed valedictorian, I learned this later, had been called in as well, 
uh, by these same two people and talked to and told that if you want to be the valedictorian, you'd better do something about Joyce Elliott because she has good grades. And they mm. basically gave him a carte blanche to bully me all he wanted to, and nobody mm. said anything. And that wow. is what happened. Yeah, just a few little peculiar things. So know. then, so then they they brought they probably brought you into the office because of that, right? They were yes. just trying. They were just they were probably concerned about the fact that you were going to get valedictorian and be like, that's right. There's got to be something wrong here. There's got to be something wrong here. Jesus. And then to be sure, they backed it up. You know, they called that the, the boy in and to tell him. And I never knew why he was so mean to me and so yeah. awful. Uh, but I didn't know. When, when I was graduating from college, um, he came to see me. And he had, all these years, this is a good human thing. All those years, it had bothered him that he had done what he, what he did to me. Mm. And he came to apologize. Because when I first saw him at my door, I just slammed the door and turned around and went back because I didn't want to see him. And he was in college, you said? Uh, I was in college. He okay. had gone to that same college. We were at Southern Arkansas University. But he had dropped out for a while. He went back later, but he came to... Uh, I was graduating, and I think he was perhaps getting ready to go back or something. Okay. Um, but when he when we he talked, he told me the whole story about what had happened all those years. I, I, I just thought I'd, I'd never done anything to him. Um, yeah. But it was my real first realization that so much of racism and bigotry, you know, I knew it was something that was taught. But it was my first realization, though, how adults use kids, Mm -hmm. you know, to manifest their own hatreds and their bigotry. And they do it. um, I, I, I think apparently those two guys, it seemed without even feeling bad about it. Yeah. It is so important to hold on to power mm-hmm. that I'm willing to use kids oh. to make sure the power, you know, stays. You so know. what do you do? Because I don't know, that would make me angry if I was in your situation. Yes. Like, yes. What do you do with that anger, with with those feelings of, you know, being treated that way? Like, do you go ahead and turn it into something positive, which is a cliche thing to do, right? It's like, you've done a lot of good work. Did you turn that energy into something positive? Or what did it take a long time for you to do that? No, it was it was we were we knew we were taught all along as kids, and we saw these kind of things as we were growing up that we were not looked up on as being as smart as or mm-hmm. being as good as even. And what our teachers and our parents and everybody was everybody was always telling us. You have to prove to them you're yeah. not like that. And so that's what turned it into something positive. Uh, there's, it was always as if you never get past as a kid, it seemed. You're forever proving something. You know, the thing that makes people feel worst in life, and when, you, when somebody wants you to justify your existence, mm-hmm. and seemed there was just always justify your existence by, I deserve to be here because I'm better than that. Mm. But it's tiring. It's very, very tiring. And it really isn't our responsibility to, like, turn racism into something positive, right? All it, that, yeah, like, yeah. negative stuff. It isn't our responsibility. But, but yeah. we as, like, individuals for our own mental health, like, That's right. we can just linger into the hate and, and everything that we go through because it just, it hurts our mental health. It, it does. That's I why mean, I mentioned, like, the whole, like, turning it into something positive, but it's still not our responsibility to do right, that. That's right, because even to this day, to, to revisit, uh, you know, everything I've just said, it's, it's still not easy. Mm-hmm. It, it turns me right back to being 15 years old and, like, what do I do? Here are these two grown-ass men, mm-hmm. and I've got to figure out a way to tamp down the temperature with two grown men standing in front of a student, deriding her for something I thought everybody would be proud of. You got good grades, so. Mm. And education is the way. I'm doing everything right, everything mm. right. Do you feel like you've had a lot of full circle moments where you did get that closure? Uh, yes, I, 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 I really have. Um, but getting closure means you just get to a point to where you can see the full picture. Mm-hmm. But I think what people, and I think most people know this, but it is like you, it just gets into your DNA, the memory of it. And this is where it can be something really good. It always, always remembers me, don't treat people like that. 
don't treat people like that mm-hmm. because you know what it feels like. You know what it does to people. And that's why, I don't know, when somebody is different from me, it is not even a conversation to me whether or not. Like when we were talking about the DREAM Act, for example, for example, I'm in this position. I know what it feels like when people don't stand up for me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to question what I need to do because I know what that's like. Yeah. Uh, and that's the good side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's full circle is being able to take that and live with it and use it for something else good down the road. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm fortunate or just the way I'm wired. When I see somebody, I don't care who it is, that is not being treated right, my antenna just goes up that mm. I can't just sit by and watch that happen. I can relate to that. I, look, mm-hmm. whenever, I, whenever I was starting organizing back in like 2010, 2011, uh-huh. uh, there was people, which they're still active in the community today, uh-huh. that, you know, didn't want me or other people to do TV interviews. Oh, yeah, didn't we would wa- be seen. <laughs> didn't want us to do all because the, they wanted to take over, uh, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. They wanted to take over all the and, – and, and these leaders treated a lot of us younger folks horribly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And – I remember one, uh, which I won't mention their name, but they were like, no, Irvin just doesn't have it in him to be a leader. Like, he just doesn't have the, like, the ability, the presentation, everything to be a leader. Wow. Like, and and um, now today, like, when I, when I organize with, like, immigrant rights organizing, a lot of the people that I'm organizing with are probably, like, eight or seven years younger than me. Yeah. And I make the effort to be like, no, like, here's this. Uh, five News reached out about wanting to do an interview. Do yeah. you want to do it? Like yep. and I try to and I try to give them all my resources simply because I remember how I was how I was right. treated right. by these people and I never want to be that person for exactly. anybody else. I never want anybody to look back and be like, "Oh, it was Irvin uh-huh. that uh-huh. treated me that, like bad like this." No, I want yeah. them to have good memories of me. Right. And I just don't want to make people feel the and same mostly, way I felt. Mostly, don't you think too? Irvin does not want to look back at Irvin and see that that's the yeah. way, that's what I did to people. That you know that too. that self accountability is something that's really important. I think to most people who really care deeply about all people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I I know exactly what you mean. And I no two things. I really like working with young people. I really love it. Maybe that comes from teaching. But the second thing is, I don't care what age they are. I love intergenerational stuff. But I really love um, seeing people grow and get an opportunity to make some mistakes. So what? Didn't and you learn from all? them, too. That's exactly right. Make some mistakes. That's how you get stronger. That's how you grow. Yeah. Um, but there are so many people, though, who they want to always be the front, be, mm-hmm. you know, the person that everybody sees, does everything. But there are so many things, you know, that I can think about, even as a legislator, um, I had to make a decision to, might have been my idea even, but work behind the scenes and somebody else is going to do this so that it can get done. Yeah. Um, but the people who do like to, for you, do all the work and get everything ready, then hand it to me, and they never give anybody else credit, you know, that's 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 the kind I'm sure you probably run into as yeah. well. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know these like people. <laughs> they, want, they want to do their presentation, yeah. but all the work it, t- it took to make that that's presentation. Right. <laughs> and all the years you know? and everything. And, yeah. But I, I do feel that a le- it takes a good leader to recognize, like, what position they need to take for that project, even if it's not in the front. That's if, right. If, if it's being in the back, but it's going to be the most effective way to, like, execute the plan, I feel like that's good leadership ability. That, that it's very good you know? leadership. Yeah. To be able to put yourself back. And there, there are, you know, when people say things like, I'm leading from behind or whatever, and some people make fun of that, but there is a lot of meaning to that when you understand you don't have to always be the, the person in the front and the spotlight mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, because anybody who is in the spotlight, if you're worth, your, worth anything and getting anything done, you should automatically know there are some people behind them, you know, uh-huh. helping, you know, do some things. But I think people need to understand uh, we, we've made leadership something more about spotlight than we have, you know, yeah. getting things done. I yeah. think that's too bad. And it makes people want to be the one out there all the time. You know? And I feel like when, when I was younger, specifically when you start organizing when you're young and you're, like, starting to do, like, TV interviews or, or talk, yeah. it feels good, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm doing sure. something. I, f- I, f- uh-huh. I, feel, I feel important. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that when you do so much work and you're always out there on the ground, you're very visible. 
a lot of the times the press will come to you and you don't even have to look for it that's anymore. That's exactly right. And sometimes yeah. you don't even want it anymore because you're just like, I'm just doing the Enough. work. <laughs> the press is here yeah. because they see me doing all of yeah. this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess it's up to like good leaders to be like, okay, these people that are helping me, how can I not necessarily get them attention, but expose them, you know, to be able to do press releases, to talk to the media effectively, yes. Yes. all these different things that I feel we're still missing here mm-hmm. in Arkansas for people to be helping other people with that. Right. The the other thing that's really important too, Urban. Sometimes, uh, just take you for example. It is important that people see you doing things. So that's mm-hmm. important. That that's really at the very beginning, and particularly when you start doing things, because people people who are used to seeing people who look like them yeah. don't even think about that. But it's really important for people to sometimes see people leading certain people leading, so they can get used to the fact that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can do that, too. That's really powerful. But I don't think anything is more powerful than when George Elliott or Irvin or whoever Atlanta turns around and says, you can do this, too. Yeah. And they know they can because Mm -hmm. they've seen you do it. Mm -hmm. And you have authenticity to say that to them because they've seen you do it. And they believe you because they've seen you do it. Have you ever gone? I've gotten this before. I'm not sure if you've ever had. Have you ever gone tired of seeing yourself on TV too much? Absolutely, I have. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's like if I'm annoyed with myself, I imagine how other people are annoyed with with seeing me. (laughs) And reporters get used to where they think they can get a good interview or somebody who really might understand the issues. Yeah. And I get that if they think that. But sometimes that just meant, yes, I am tired of seeing myself. (laughs) I got it with like the whole Latinx thing with Sarah Sanders, Uh Uh which I mean, it was my fault, too, because I posted the clips on Instagram. Right. And I was just trying to inform and educate. Like, I'm talking to these people about this issue. It's important, all this stuff. But then after I posted like those clips, I was like. I'm getting tired of myself. So I imagine how other people are getting tired probably of me talking yeah. about this thing on all these different news sites and stuff. So that's why it's important, you know, to, to not only try to find people to do interviews and stuff that can also be educated on the topic. Right. But help them, mm-hmm. help them uh, know how to properly, you know, talk to the news because right. that goes a long way. We've had to train people before in the past and past organizations just because sometimes when people get interviewed, they just freeze, you know. That's true. Or they right. don't know how to talk or they don't know what what to say, what not to say, like don't give your phone number in a TV interview. And I've had people do that too because people right. will call you and then people will sign you up to like <laughs> Trump's uh, text <laughs> newsletter. <laughs> Wait, someone did that to me. They Someone signed me up to oh, my okay. personal Gmail to like Trump's campaign. I was like, come on. Because oh I, I gave up my personal email. Yeah. <laughs> but, Passed it on, huh? <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I do want to touch on, on, on your, your career as, as a politician. I believe you started uh, in the state house. Was it in 2000? 2001. I was elected uh, in 2000, but started serving in 2001. And that yes. was that state representative? Yes. Uh-huh. I was and then you transitioned to state to senator state in 2009? Senate. That's right. Uh-huh. That's um, right. And like, like I said, I started getting involved like 2009, 2010 with mm-hmm. like community activism and, mm-hmm. and politician and, and helping politicians. And that's kind of when I learned about you and about the, your, the work that you uh, were doing with the DREAM Act. I want to see if you can you can tell us, you know, what your journey was mm-hmm. those two times that you yeah. tried to pass the DREAM Act, yeah. the positives and negatives, mm-hmm. and uh, just let people know, you know, about that work that you did. Yeah, it, it was, boy, a 17-year journey, I think, pretty much is what it ended up being. But um, I, I actually learned about um, the Dream Act, and Dream Act in 2003. I was at a conference at University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. There were a lot of black and brown people there. And there was a man who came up to me. We were talking about education and access to higher ed. It was a big deal. And he made me aware. I don't remember his name, um, but I was, I was so taken aback that there was such a thing as you could have – I've been educated in this country, but you had to pay some gross, you know, you don't live in this country kind of fees yeah. uh, just to go to college. And I, I, I wasn't sure I believed him. And so that's when I started to do the research. And right away, I found out it was true. And so I, uh, especially as um, a, a teacher, because I was, you know, teaching was my thing. And I thought, Anybody who wants to go to college is hard enough as it is, and yeah. this makes it even harder. 
So I spent that whole 2003 and four researching and uh, getting connected with immigration lawyers throughout the country. It was a whole thing. I mean, <laughs> libraries were my jam at that time <laughs> and librarians. But so by 2005, um, I knew enough that I, I thought, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to introduce this bill and see if we can get it passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were a state representative I was a state then. representative. I was going into my last term because I could only serve there three terms, so mm-hmm. five and six those years of my last years. And as it turned out, um, uh, Governor Huckabee, when he gave his, his um, state of the state address or whatever it was that he was talking to us about, he mentioned that that's something he had an interest in, and I almost mm-hmm. fell off my mm-hmm. chair. And I thought, I've got all the I've got all the information we can do. We can work on this, and which he did to help support mm-hmm. uh, the folks from his office. And I got with you know um, with some the Catholic diocese there. The, 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 so that was a really good that that was a really good help. And then there were some other folks just generally now and then that w- mm-hmm. we would have these early, early morning meetings, like 7 o'clock, because that was <laughs> the only time we could meet. But finally got it to a point that I, I felt I knew I had an ironclad case. Mm. I, I've, I've been researching this since 2003. And so got the bill together and introduced it in the House and um, got all kind of blowback from mm-hmm colleagues, both, you know, Democrats and Republicans at, at first. And um, I remember when, I, I guess, Governor Beebe at the time, he was the attorney general, and I so wanted him to be on my side about you know, the, the, the um, DREAM Act. But I think he, he didn't, uh, that was not something he had studied. And um, when I introduced it as the attorney general, if the attorney general says your, your law, your bill is not uh, legal, mm-hmm. that's really, really hard thing to do. And so that's basically, you know, what was said about it. He mm-hmm. had his spokesperson come out and say, you know, we're not going to be against it, but basically it's not legal. And so the, the, the lawyers in the House uh, took that seriously. And I knew, I just so, I, when I, after that came out, and this, this was, um, as some of my colleagues tell me now, that was a bold thing to do. I said, I don't know, but I was just determined this was going to happen. So when it came out that, you know, he was not for it, didn't quite say he was against it, but he was not for it. And I sat down and I did a 10-point back, you know, back and front one page or 10-point, but why? He was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, you're going to say the attorney general is wrong, huh? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And I did. And I put it on everybody's desk um, so they could have it the next day. And when I went up to present it, I had all kind of questions. There were quite a number of lawyers from in the um, in the house at that point. But I had works. I was so happy that I had worked with these uh immigration lawyers around the country by phone, by email, or whatever, I could answer every single one of their questions, mm. every single one, because it had meant that much to me to think about everything they were going to ask and ask the attorneys, what were they going to And it ended up passing something. It, it passed in the House. Like, we needed 51 votes. I think it was 66, 65 or 66 votes that we got, both Democrats and Republicans. And that was such a great thing. And then we, when we got over to the Senate, and Governor Huckabee had wanted uh, us to have in the bill that there would be, uh, that immigrants would be, um, could get scholarships, which I thought might be problematic of state mm-hmm. funds. And, of, and so when we got to the Senate, that was problematic. And so I didn't have any issue at all, you know, by removing that. Because what I was going for is you shouldn't have to pay any more than anybody else has to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, well, this will work well in the Senate. This will make them be okay because they use that. So he wanted to remove Uh, or add? uh, He, he wanted, it was in the original bill. When it passed in the House, it was in there. But when it went to the Senate, it got to be a problem. Mm -hmm. And I, so I just immediately removed it because that was not what I was going after to start with. It would have been great. But, um, so I thought this would make everything fine. And we had just enough votes to pass it. Maybe, you know, one to spare. But um, to my surprise, when the, the role was called, the very first, first person who answered the role said no. And I went, oh, my God. And that was somebody I didn't expect to say no. 
Um, and then finally, I think a second person did, somebody, and so we lost that vote after having gotten it passed overwhelmingly in the House. We lost that vote by, mm -hmm. I think it was one or two votes, so we lost it in the Senate. Had that not happened, Arkansas could have been right in line with California and Texas in 2005 mm -hmm. having passed that bill mm -hmm. rather than, what, 16 or 17 years later. Yeah. Yeah. But I introduced it again in the Senate. Um, in fact, two more times. One time, I just didn't run it because we didn't even have enough people to care. But I had worked with Jim Hendren that last time, and we thought we were really getting some traction. And I remember that day, a lot of people just did not show up in the Senate to even vote one way Oof. or the other. Um, and that's where, you know, that we came to a lull at that point. And then um, some folks from... Uh, Dan Douglas got interested in it, uh, and um, and I didn't know at the time, but so had Megan Godfrey as well. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I was not aware it was going to come up again uh, because I was going to do it again. But then it came up because I was going to be out of office, and it came up, and I didn't even know it had come up. And I was kind of like, oh well, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is great. I'm going to help out with this. But I think the feeling was it's best if, kind of like you were saying, Irvin, you're not the person to be out front, you know, mm. type thing. I think it was, um, that was not said to me, but I pretty much figured I thought that was the case. So I did what I could do yeah. behind the scenes to explain Still to people. Still must have made you feel a little bit bad. Uh, well, yeah. It, I mean, me, it would it, make me feel uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it was not a great feeling mm -hmm. yeah. uh, because just to, to have known that. Because you you're an important part of this yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, everything I, you've I done, all the work all, that you've all put these in. All years, yeah. 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 And, and not to even be a co-sponsor on the bill. Mm. But it, it did pass, and we did get it. You know, it, it was done. I was able to advocate with other people and see it get to be law. And that's why when I say to people, if you're going to be a politician, you got to, you know, sometimes you have to really stay with what you say you mm -hmm. mean. Mm -hmm. and, and so Because you could have easily been like, you know what, yeah, yeah. I'm not involved. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out, yeah. But, but you never, understood the never importance. Said, that's exactly right. It yeah. wasn't for me. It was for all these students. But it took us all that time to get that bill passed. But if it wasn't, I mean, for your advocacy years on, I mean, probably people that were elected in the time wouldn't know, you know, that Nobody that was Nobody knew what I was talking about. Yeah. I am that telling time. you. It wasn't just educating because there were groups who came to the legislature to testify against the bill. That surprised me to no end. But as it turned out, they didn't know what it was all about. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was a long You're, process. You were working on this before I even knew about <laughs> about it. Yeah, yeah, because I, I didn't really know about any of this all until two thousand nine. Uh huh. Right. And right. what you know what the funny the funny thing is that Amber, mm -hmm. who is with Get Loud as well, yes, she's the reason I started getting involved in community activism. Oh, great. So I, w I used to do, I don't think you know this, I used to do uh, Bulldog News, which was a television program at, at Sprino High School. I did. And uh, I would sneak in their stories about immigration. And, like, my teacher would encourage me. She'd be uh -huh. like, hey, like, put this in. Like, I think yeah. people need to know about it. So I, uh, I would do that. And then one time Amber came up to me. Uh -huh. And she was like, hey, she's like, I I've been seeing the stories you've been doing on Bulldog News. I think it's really cool. My brother and I actually organize uh, with a group called the Arkansas Natural Dreamers at my house. Mm -hmm. We have a meeting every week. Uh -huh. And I went to that meeting, and I never stopped since that day. Oh, So good. if it wasn't because of Amber, uh -huh. I don't even know if I'd be organizing today. Yeah. Which is really cool because now she's working with you. <laughs> And then you're here. The past this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> this it's like is a weird. Thing. It's it, kind of it, it, it <laughs> yeah. I, that, like, that's not a, we came I, full circle, but like full triangle. Full triangle. Full triangle. Yeah. That, that yeah. is true. I did not know that, but that, that's a re that's really good to know. Gosh. Yeah. And I think you know, it. People do remember. People know, specifically people that were involved in organizing. They were aware of the work that you're doing, yeah. and, they, and that's yeah. you know they hold you as a very special person mm -hmm. in, in our are grateful for you, also grateful, you know, for the folks that did pass that legislation because it changed lives. Yes, you know, it people did. are not having yeah. to pay triple the tuition yeah. Yeah. that um, pretty much us citizens, like, we're able to, to go to school and pay just the normal fee, and then undocumented people have to pay triple the amount of, of tuition and still can't qualify for uh, FAFSA. 
Or that, for, yes, that's right. And some people think lottery. you can. Yeah. And there's so much people really do need to find out yeah. about, you know, uh, about status, period, because people just tend to think, whatever status I have, everybody else has it. What are they complaining about? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, to just get outside yourself is a wonderful thing because um, just growing and knowing what other people's lives are like it will stop you from just taking things for granted just because of what you have, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot, and there, and I did see a lot of that. Um, people, well, well, why don't they just go? I, I, I got so much of. Why don't they just go back and come in right like anybody else? I go, and I would say, well, you, you know, you don't. It's not as simple as just going to the post office and signing up. People didn't understand how hard it is, you know, what the process is, and how many years it takes. And it's not about. I said. You, if you've thought about this for just a minute, nobody migrates anywhere who is not motivated to migrate. You don't mm-hmm. just get up one day and go, oh, I think it would be cool if I just, I don't know, I think I'll just go live in Chile. And then go, let me in. go look at the people that are coming to the U.S. and yeah. then go see the U.S. involvement in that country that that's, caused that's right. different things for people to want to leave their country, you know, to come here. You know, our involvement also is very important for us to, like, emphasize on it because we're in... We're it really is. red-handed, you know. Um, it really that. Well, I'll just say this quickly about that because what you said is just so important. Because when you don't know the backstory for things, you, you allow yourself, or maybe you're just left to come to some conclusions that are half empty, and sometimes more than that. And that's a problem with not knowing. That's one of the big problems I see: not knowing the history of what. Mm-hmm. Uh, the United States history is with whatever that country is you are maligning. You need to study sometimes and find out what's going on. So much in Central America of, of yes. times that our country has intervened or has mm. backed a candidate or has you know right. done all these different mi- military operations that caused migration to come here. And then back, you know, what was it, the 1950s, 1960s when the U.S. actually paid Mexicans <laughs> to come over here and work the fields? Yes. With the Braceros program, like – Okay, now now more of us are coming because we heard you were giving jobs. And now we're here and now people are leaving Florida, <laughs> Florida really. because of their government. Yeah. Um, but also, I wanted to talk about the work that you're doing now. You're the executive director of, is it Get Loud Arkansas, right? Yes, it's Get Loud. Is it just Get Loud? No Arkansas <laughs> yeah. on it? Yeah, no, there is. It is Arkansas. Get Loud Arkansas? Uh, Get Loud Arkansas, yeah. And y'all are doing a lot of voter registration. Yes. And can you yeah. tell us more about what this project is and what are you doing? Yes. Uh, well, for people who know what happened with in Georgia with the voter registration project they had there that people commonly uh, think about with Stacey Abrams, and I always, and she's really good about saying it was not just Stacey Abrams, mm-hmm. it was yeah. a whole lot of people, but people know what happened. So Get Loud Arkansas is absolutely patterned after, you know, the way they did the work in, in Georgia because it's been successful. And so I figured in Arkansas, we are a much smaller state. Georgia has like 13 million people. We have about three point something million people. And uh, we are not as big as Atlanta. And Arkansas has one of the, we have the lowest um, engagement of any state you know, when it comes to civic engagement with registration and voting and so forth. And I, I know that there are people who do not vote because, you know, maybe they think it doesn't matter, they're afraid to, and whatever the case may be. But since I'm out of office, I thought I am going to spend the, my time, the rest of my time, Third thing I get to do with my life, boy, am I lucky, I mean it. Teacher, politician, now this, and that's exactly what I want to do. Uh, I'm going to create an organization, and I did, Get Loud Arkansas. It's a 501c3, so I did it that way on purpose so we could work with all different kind of groups of Mm. getting people registered and engaged and so forth because I feel comfortable if people – go through the process and let us help educate them about how it works and so forth. I think people will vote whatever we think is the right way. I'd really trust people to understand and and uh, make the right decisions. So I didn't want it to be political that it was Democratic or Republic, uh, or Republican. And I can work with all kind of groups, I, even with churches and, you know, synagogues and so forth, and with sororities and fraternities. So we have... 300,000 uh, folks or so who are not registered to vote. 
and so the the mission is to get them registered. We have almost that many who are registered but not voting. Mm -hmm. So the mission is to get them mobilized to mm -hmm. the polls, and. Um, and then we spend a, a third part of it educating people. It's really hard and it's slow work, but if you respect people enough, you want them to have the education to make their own decisions. And the fourth thing is that we had not thought about when we first got started is fighting voter suppression. Mm. Uh, the voter suppression is big, whether people, whether it's intentional or not intentional. It's small things that people don't think about that are big in practice some people literally don't have the time to go vote mm -hmm. and people would say there's no such thing as that because we have early voting well the main thing here is to make sure we don't have as many days early voting it didn't quite happen in our state legislature this time around except for uh, mail-in ballots that was cut by a day mm -hmm. that will matter yeah um but if you are a person, I always say for somebody, if you're working, you know, at, a, at some kind of factory or maybe even in a 24-hour store, if you're on that swing shift, that's 3 to 11, you're really in big trouble. When do you vote? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a tough thing because you're working from 3 to 11, you get home maybe by 12, and you're, you're going to have to try to do all the things you need to do. If you have kids, you have yeah. them ready the next morning. And then before you go back to work at 3 o'clock, you've got to try to get all the other things in to keep your household going, you know, just little things like that. And then there are people that don't know the process, and they are embarrassed to say they don't, and they're fearful because they've mm -hmm. not done it before. And it's not something to be put down because I say to people every time they come up with, I just can't believe you don't vote. And I said, well, believe it. They just told <laughs> you they don't vote. Mm -hmm. Don't Embarrassing somebody is not going to make them vote. That is That brings up, you know, the pushback or, or yeah. the things like it's not worth it. So I've had to really work with, with people to help them understand uh, these are humans with pride like anybody else, but they should have a vote like anybody else. And uh, we targeted, we've targeted eight um, counties in the state because we don't have enough money to target more than that at this point mm -hmm. so that we can really get some work done. And, and uh, Washington County, by the way, is one of the targeted counties. So is Benton mm -hmm. County. Uh, so we, we try to work with people up here um, and get people engaged like Amber. We've gotten mm -hmm. you know, engaged with us. We, there are some st uh, over in the Delta, some of those counties, mm -hmm. and then in central Arkansas, um, it's Pulaski and Faulkner, and on the western side, it's, it's Sebastian County. Okay. And we will add more as, as we can. And we, we got a really big footprint quickly. Uh, because the media has been really good, was really good in covering this and getting a word out there. Mm -hmm. So I think people got the impression we could do more than we could actually do. The media gets a lot of slack, right? But, yeah, but I know for local media, like, oh, they, they work they're great. They're, they, I mean, they've been fantastic. You know? They show and, up. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And people want us to come do this, come do this, and we just don't have the ability to do it. But we we work all year round, not just when co coming up to an election. It's an all year round thing. And we are looking for people, you know, out there. If somebody's listening who knows somebody who can help us hire some more people, that would be fantastic because this state will never be as strong as it should can, can be and should be until we have all voices. Can people um, apply online? Uh, uh, they, for a position, or how does that work? Uh, they, well, we don't have any positions at, at this point, but if you are interested in, like if we get the money and you think you might be interested in working with us, we have to first get the money, and then we go like, if we've got okay. your name, we'll go like, hey, Irvin, so keep come it, work with us. So keep keep <laughs> yeah. an eye out on social media then. Yeah, 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 you, you should, because when we, because right now there are really good people out there who would be great for this work and we don't know who they are and yeah. if you know who you are you know it, and we've i've heard from several people who've said you know if there ever comes a time i can work with get loud i want my name to be in the hopper so i, I have cool. a list of names yeah and i saw that y'all are very active on social media you randomly pulled up on my tiktok yes like a month ago <laughs> i was like yes. that's joyce on tiktok <laughs> <laughs> Which you got to take advantage of those tools because TikTok yes, is so important that, that for, is right. yeah. for yeah. organizing in general. It really, really is. And we had, we had really huge success, you know, among, uh, and I was really pleased about, um, especially with uh, black and brown, but particularly black, young black males 
uh, that was our biggest percentage success in mm. one year, and we've only been, you know, here for one year. Okay. I, f- I feel certain we are doing things the right way. We just need more capacity to do more of what we're doing. You also popped up on a YouTube ad. Yeah. Yep. I was watching some, like, comedy podcast, and it took a little break, and then you popped up. I'm like, man, they're really going in on social <laughs> yeah, media. You're popping up so everywhere. That's so interesting because that's where the folks I said we had the most success with, and we, yeah. we got them on YouTube. YouTube. On YouTube? Yeah. 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 yeah and we good. were like, I was like, is this right? Is this dead? No. Let's look at this. And, yeah. It Podcasting was, it was, on YouTube is yeah. super important. Yeah. People are watching still YouTube. Yeah. I think it's still a big a but, big deal. Yeah, but it is it is it is what it's going to take. It's no point. There's no point in just criticizing people and and talking about how your parents took to the vote when they were little. My parents didn't do it. So what 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 is that yeah. to me? Um, it starts to make people feel as if oh, I guess my parents weren't as good as your parents or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, also, that, it's a scary process. It's sometimes. a scary yeah, yeah. yes, and so. it's made harder even now. Yeah. Um, and it is, we need to be passing laws, if anything, to make it much easier. easier. And that's not what yeah. we're doing. It, I just, just one thing we could do, we could make it possible for people to register online. Yeah. yeah. That would be fantastic. Just people that have one tried, thing. right, to get that law yeah. passed. Was and, it, yes. Was Charles Blake right. tried once, I believe. Uh, yes. And then twice more, it's been tried, um, uh, uh, last, not this past session, but the one before that, the House passed it. 96 to 96 to zero, I think. Yeah. I don't think anybody voted against it. This time, the House couldn't even get it passed. Yeah. Uh, and people were saying, well, it's going to lead to too much corruption, blah, blah, blah. Well, corruption's already there. Corruption, yeah. I, it, that's not, that's <laughs> not going to be the corruption. Is it? But at the same time, you know, and too much fraud and blah, blah. And you hand your your credit card over <laughs> online to do anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think of the. Let me go on Sheen and buy this. <laughs> yeah, buy yeah. this outfit yeah. <laughs> real quick. Yeah. But just <laughs> little things like that. Uh, uh, yeah. So, but anyway, it is something I'm really enjoying doing. It's hard work and it's slow, but no, I'm committed to this for a ten year mm. period, and this state can change. There's no reason for us to be this way. Yeah. I hope yeah. you get some rest in between. Uh, yeah, rest yeah. is important. Yeah, it really is important, mm-hmm. and I and I and that's something I have to remember because I've talked about June already being a, a, you know a month from hell, and I'm yeah. going to end it here. <laughs> and then I got the pink eye or something like that. The doctor said it's just dry eye, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, my eyes are starting to talk to me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Allergy you take season. a listen and yeah. Yeah. But anyway. So what do you uh, do right. for uh, one of the questions that we ask people when they come here is we like to ask what they do to take care of their mental health. Is there something that you do specifically? Yeah, yeah. I love the outdoors and I mean that's just this my cathedral sort of. But I, I love being out hiking or whatever and canoeing and I I don't, I, have, I don't have any white water rafting here in Arkansas, but I love going places and, you know, get on a river somewhere and not sure if I'm going to get to the other end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but if I, if I do, I'll wash up on, a, you know, somewhere else, <laughs> <laughs> on, on a bank. But I, I, I really love adrenaline-type things, you know, mm-hmm. and zip lining and stuff like that. And just you ever jumped I, out I, of a plane before? I'm sorry? You ever jumped out of a plane before? But no, but that's on my bucket list. That, but the next thing scary. on my on my bucket list, though, before that, you know, is I, I really want to go hang gliding. That is okay. my next big, <laughs> I love hang gliding, you know, the, because I've not done it. But the closest I've come, um, I remember at, um, I, would, I would take my students, seniors on trip filled on, on end of year trips when everybody else was not doing it. And I just thought they'll like, right, you just have to believe in them. But we would go somewhere like, you know, six flags, six flags over Texas sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot of money. But I would take, I was a teacher and I was a sponsor, but I would save all my money for the, for the thing, you know, where you, <laughs> they pull you up and you jump off and fly out yeah. <laughs> because it was $15 Good a pop then. <laughs> No telling what it is now. <laughs> it's a lot of money back then. Yeah, it, it really was a lot of money on a teacher's salary. Yeah. Uh, but that was it's things like that, that adrenaline, uh, you know, uh, laden, and then things that are just calm, you know, just sailing. In nature. In nature. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I love dancing. I mean, I love music and dancing because I don't think about anything else. I don't care what my body does, which way it moves. I don't care. I'm not trying to impress anybody. Mm-hmm. 
but it's just something about getting your body moving like that. You Tomorrow, know? Pride? There's yeah, going to be th- music? Th- there's going to be music. That's one of the things I'm most gonna excited be drinks? about. Yeah, there were going to be drinks, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hot as hell, but it's going to be a good time. A few drinks and then, dude. I just really... Right? <laughs> and, and lastly, I love traveling. I don't have enough money to travel as I want to, as much as I want to, but I love going to places where English is not the predominant language where I have to just figure it out. I love that. You know, and so which is most places. It's becoming that, that is true. That that is very true. But um, anyway, I try to live a, a you know, a, a rounded out life. I, I'm I'm really I'm really just stuck on life should be about balance. Definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that. And once again, I just appreciate everything that you do. And I know a lot of people in our community appreciate you and will remember you for all the hard work that you did, you know, in trying to get the Dream Act passed. I know for me, like I said, my favorite politician. You're someone mm-hmm. that I look look mm-hmm. for look forward to. I'm so glad you do call me a politician. Thank you for that. Early. Yes, yeah. in, a, in, in, obviously, <laughs> in a good way. In a good way, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, because I mean, you're a, you're a good example of like, hey, there's actually good politicians. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know some of my friends that are a little bit <laughs> way to the left are going to be like, Irvin, that's not true. There's no good politicians. <laughs> yeah. But there is. There's yeah. good people that have yeah. good intentions. They really want to help out other people. And you represent that. So thank you for everything that you do. And, uh, and you know, you're, you're just starting. You know, you're, you're, you're starting this work with Get Loud. There's still a lot of work to do. That's and right. That's you're right. still going to be out there, you know, Where grinding. can people find Get Loud? Yeah. Uh, be, uh, I'm so glad you asked that question. You can find us on, on Facebook, Instagram, and um, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, but you can, uh, our website is just as it says, getloudarkansas.org. You can find us there. So Sounds follow good. us and keep up with us and let us know what you think if you've got ideas well thank you joyce and thank you so much for having me i've been looking forward to this so. my pleasure glad. episode 200. Uh, on your 200th yes i know i'm glad, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're here yeah. Yeah. and uh, i'm glad we made this happen yeah. and i uh, just look forward to everything you do in the future all right um but for everybody listening that was episode 200 of the <laughs> district 3 podcast my name is irvin and this is elena signing off